Welcome to Everything Is Up, a podcast about the real-life stories of people who have created extraordinary levels of success. These are conversations with people who are constantly striving to take things to the next level. And now, here's your host... Everything is up. I'm your host, Tamara Hollerick. And joining me today is Jennifer Berman, more lovingly known as Jen Berman, um, with MZQ Consulting. <clears throat> Jen is an expert, probably the country's leading compliance attorney in the healthcare space. Um, and I got the pleasure of meeting her um, at I didn't meet you at the conference. I met you after the conference when we were doing some coaching together and I dearly fell in love with you. So thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. And the feeling is mutual. I have had such the pleasure of getting to know you on a personal level. I mean, we've done business together, um, but um, probably one of my dearest, bestest friends. And... (laughs) We we have a common friend too that we I was able to introduce you to um, our sweet Reba um, up in Seattle. But um, we the three of us really got to know each other really well when we were doing um, an accountability call a couple years back, right? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been so long, but yes, yes. So, um, all right, Miss Berman. Yeah. Uh oh. Here, here we go. Here we go. Okay, give me your all-time favorite um, experience in your whole life. All-time favorite experience in my whole life? In your whole life. Oh my gosh, my honeymoon. Honeymoon. Yeah. All right, so since we... Okay, so since we brought up Josh, this is yeah. okay. so not only leading compliance attorney, um, top 40 under 40, right? Um, and, and the accolades just go on and on. Married, kids, um, and honeymoon, your all-time favorite. Where'd you go? We went to Italy. We did Rome, Florence, and Venice. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Ivan wants me to go do that with him. I keep going. It's an incredible trip. Although, you know, we did, I did Greece with the kids and Josh over the summer, this past summer. That was pretty fantastic, also. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. You know, honeymoon's a little, it was, well, a little, it, was yeah. a little it was fun on a different level. It, <laughs> it, it, it's a trip when you bring your children. Oh, true. Right. So, yeah. how long have you guys been married now? Uh, it'll be 17 years in November. Okay. You're not that old. Like, that's not possible, is it? Oh, I am that old. Yeah, I am. (laughs) You have to hear the funniest thing that happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of being old, I'm sitting in my office and one of the girls walks by and she's holding a Dr. Pepper, okay? And literally flies out of my mouth. I'm a pepper. He's a pepper. She's a pepper. We're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Right. So this girl who's not 22 yet, she'll be 22 in two weeks. She looks at me like, what? Like (laughs) I went, oh, good Lord. You don't even know what that is, do you? So I had to go back and look at literally it came out in December of 1977. So you weren't that old either, were you? Yeah, not that, not, not, that. not yet, right? No. So, but I mean, we, I, I had to start laughing. I was like, "Oh Lord, I'm not old, right?" I, I was like, "Okay, so I refuse, I refuse." 
to even be old enough to know what that song was, but literally it was, it was so funny. So 17 years married, I digress, right? So I digress into the Dr. Pepper song, Um, but 17 years, two kids, right? Yep. Kids are um, Uh, Jack and Abby. Jack and 14 and 12. I think they're amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. I saw a video last week um, where they were standing in your kitchen dancing. How fun, right? Oh, that was before breakfast. But like, I mean, it was at breakfast one morning. Like, they were getting ready to go to school and like, it just sort of happened, which is unusual. My daughter will burst out into dance, but but to have the, you know, almost 15 year old boy child doing that, he's, he's a little grumpy. So that was kind oh, of. Uh, how fun though, yeah. but how fun. Yeah. Okay, so I know MZQ, um, family business, you took over for your parents. You're- no, no, no. Okay. I started the company with my father. Okay, so- um, It's actually kind of an interesting story. I, so I went to him and um, so I'm a compliance attorney. And so I had, you know, I was in big law practice, did the whole Larissa thing. And my dad is a systems engineer. And we started in ACA reporting. That was kind of our core business when we got started. I went to him to build me my software. Ah. Like, this is what I need. Will you build it for me? And that's kind of how the whole thing got started. So we actually, my dad and I co-founded the company together. That's pretty awesome. And yeah. so I know you're, I've heard you talk, your dad's retiring and trying to kind of step back a little bit. How's that going? Well, his official retirement date was uh, 4123. So he's kind of a math guy. So he, he, he loved he loved going around saying 4123 a lot. Um, <laughs> so far, his retirement works like this. It means that he uh, he sleeps until he wakes up in the morning and then he goes to the gym and then he has lunch and then he comes to oh. the office. <laughs> that, 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 that's how that works. So. so that retirement is semi-retirement. It is, it is semi-retirement, although he has declared that he is no longer responsible for anything. Oh, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. He just gets to tinker in whatever he wants is, is kind of how this works. And and you don't tell your dad no, right? So it's no, 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 that, that's against the rules. It's against the rules. <laughs> exactly. That's totally exactly it. So you have had explosive growth since um, you guys started the company. Um, and I know you work with the masterminds, which the next gen mastermind, um, group and team of, um, elite advisors around the country. Um, I know I've heard you speak at industry specific conferences. I've also, um, heard you speak outside of the industry, Mm -hmm. right? So when you get those calls to come speak outside of the industry, how do you have that conversation? Because what you do is very specialized. Right. No, it is. It is. It's very, very specialized. Um, and so it depends on kind of what somebody's looking for and what they need. So, I mean, I vividly remember really early days of MZQ, probably the coolest trade show I've ever been to. Um, I spoke at the National Demolition Associations Conference in Las Vegas, like with all the bulldozers and stuff. It that was cool. fun. Yeah, it was cool. But they needed to know how the ACA worked too. Right. Everybody needed to know how the ACA worked. It it, it wasn't just, you know, it's not just brokers and advisors. Um, These things, you know, affect everyone. Um, So a lot of employer groups are looking for guidance and information about how these things work and operate. Um, So I spent 
a lot of time. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I don't, um, one of the things people tell me about all the time is like, they're like, your slides don't have a lot of information on them, Jen. I'm like, I know, because I want you to listen to my words. When I talk. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that that allows me to do is talk to different audiences, right? So I, I like to meet the audience where they are um, when we get into these compliance topics. But I don't only talk about compliance topics. And, and I think you know this too. So right. I talk a lot about other things as well. Um, and I've spent a lot more time as of late talking about leadership and um, inclusion issues, um, disability awareness issues, things like that as well. So it can be sort of a, a wide range of things that I like to address. Well, and you know, the industry that um, we're in, um, where we're having these you know, extremely complex conversations. You know, the the ACA is this monster that is confusing, convoluted, messy, changes day to day. You know, like, and, and you're on top of all of that all the time. And then you add in mental health parity and you add in no surprise billing and you you start adding in all of this crazy stuff that you know I tell I tell clients um this is probably the I would say outside of the banking industry right probably the most heavily regulated industry that we have in this country right now. And nobody knows it all. Like I come to you and go like help. And if you're like, yeah, I'm still studying that. Like, then I know we're in trouble. Like if you're still going, I'm still studying. I'm like, oh yeah, because it is, it's complicated. And I have yet to meet anyone um, outside of maybe a broker and a good one because even the bad ones or the semi bad ones, like I, you know, um, that understand every little nuance about the healthcare system, the healthcare, you know, insurance, healthcare side of things, because it changes so quickly. Oh, it's completely true. So, like, I think I was with you last week talking about when the outbreak period was going to end under the ACA um, because there was this bill, like the president had ended it and said it was going to be over one day. And there's this bill that Congress passed and said it was going to be over another day. And then there was a question if the president was going to sign it. Now the president did sign it yesterday, but it turns out- say, I thought he signed yeah, it yesterday. He signed it, but now it looks like it's not going to end the outbreak oh. period because there's this other act that changes it and makes it so the outbreak period is not really subject to that. But I mean, it makes your head want to explode. Like, oh. so like literally since last night, my interpretation of that bill has changed three times. Wow. So it's just constantly moving and changing. And, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to keep up with. It's, it's really specialty. There, there's no other way to classify it than just being a specialty. So with that, that kind of brings me to one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you because we've never talked about this, um, but I can see it being um, something that would be very easy to happen. What do you think people misunderstand about you and what you do um, the most? All of it? <laughs> I mean, 
first of all, they think I'm a totally boring person, right? And you know that that's not true. That <laughs> is so not true. Not even true. I'm <laughs> no, like, she must be such a dork. No, not um, at all. Totally fun. Totally <laughs> crazy. Yeah, love, love it. Or they also think that I follow all the rules. Not, also not true. <laughs> I was right, going right. to say, oh, they just don't. Maybe they know the um, Esquire um, it just maybe, assume, it's just I'd say just because I know what the rules are doesn't mean I follow them. No. Um, Isn't that a lot of power in knowing what the rules are? Right, no, you um, know how to skirt them. Look at I, you. I, mean, you, I, I just I don't skirt them. I dance with them. You dance with them. <laughs> dance with them. No, I think that what people misunderstand the most is that. Um, is that, and I think this is true of, of, of everyone in compliance and, and legal in general. I think that they sort of conflate those of us in this industry with their dislike of regulations and legal, right? Like we are not there to be the bad guy. Like my goal, like our internal motto here at MCQ is that we help people. Like we are there to help navigate and get to the answers. And so often people look at us as being the bad guy because we're the ones who are telling you, okay, there's this new requirement. And there's this instantaneous dislike of us or who we are or what we represent because we're bringing up the problem. Um, we're not the source of the problem. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. like, I can see that. I, I can. I can see that correlation and that having that just totally misunderstanding why you're actually doing what you're doing. It's not to say, oh, I've got this control. And I, it's more to say, look, guys, here it is. You have to be aware of it. And I've been able to, yeah. I, because I know you, right? And and I've, I've gotten to be friends with you. Um, I know that you're not sitting there going, don't yeah, well, yes, I have heard you say do not do that. Um, right. <laughs> but only say, when it's a red light issue, right? Right, uh, red light issue, like do not go through that. That cop is sitting at the intersection. What are you thinking? Right. Right. Um, so no, I, I have, but I have also sat at that table with you when we had lunch last week. We were talking about captives and we were talking about single, you know, single group captives or single, what was it, single group captives that we were talking about? And you were like, I have to understand this, right? And this CPA literally lashed right back at you, but you had only asked the question. You didn't say, hey, do this, do that. And, and yet the CPA was like, shame on her, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, all I did was ask a question because I want to understand their thought process on whether I agree with it or not, right? became a different conversation, but that was instantaneous how that played out. And I was like, wow, which made me ask this question, right? What's yeah. most misunderstood? Because I think that there's probably a lot that there is, there is. Um, is misunderstood. Yeah. Or a lot of it'll be like, you're only doing, and it is true that like, you know, listen, MCQ, you know, I, I got a family to feed too, and we sell compliance solutions. So I get a lot of, you're only telling me to do that because you're trying to make money. Um, no, there's a lot of easier ways to make money. In the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seems to be a whole lot of better options out there. 
<laughs> yeah, you could go into selling it with us, right? That yeah, would be a lot absolutely easier than being could. The- it seems like it would be much easier. Um, a lot of days, but um, you know, no, I, you know, I, that that that's not that's not why we're out there and and creating these solutions and things like that. Like, it really is because employers have these fiduciary responsibilities, and we're trying to facilitate compliance in an as efficient way as possible. I used to live in a world where you know. You know, if I was still in private practice, I'd be billing out at eight to nine hundred dollars an hour right now. Right. And so I'm trying to bring bring solutions to the table that, you know, provide compliance solutions for, you know, that much, you know, for the year for small group plans. And, you know, no, they're not. the, The purpose is not to make as much money as we possibly can. Right. The purpose be is to, but yeah. there are, there are better ways, the, 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 the easier yeah. ways, right? Easier ways, better ways. The, the goal is to create the best possible way to bring that employer into compliance. And that definitely is something that, that people assume is, is the, is the end goal. And it is not in what we're doing. We really are trying to bring reasonable solutions, but what's happened, particularly in the health and welfare world is we're at an inflection point. Um, and I think the CAA, um, the, the 2021 version, um, where we got all of those new fiduciary obligations or highlighted fiduciary obligations, um, is really the beginning of us seeing the responsibilities of employers shift to look much more like they look in the retirement plan side right. in the health and welfare world. And we're going to see over the next two to five years, a whole lot more emphasis on employer responsibilities. And we've already seen that. And, and our goal is to provide those solutions. Yeah. So, um, I love, I love that you guys are not just, um, out there with the, the large groups and you guys are really out there trying to bring these smaller employers into compliance. What's, what I have found is that the smaller employers think that they are not subject because maybe they don't necessarily um, have 50 employees, right? So they don't think, well, I'm not a large employer, so I don't have to. It is really almost eye-opening how many employers are out of compliance. And you uh, know, more than are, I think, in many I ways. I think so too. I think that there are far more out of compliance than there are in compliance. I literally had a conversation yesterday with one of my groups, and I I like preach compliance to them because I don't want to be the one that go that I get that phone call that goes, You didn't tell me, right? My yep. girl boy. Yeah, right. So it's like I keep talking about it. So I'm having this conversation, and he was like, Well, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. And this morning I get a call and it's like, can you please call me? So I call and he goes, okay, I sat up all night reading and I'm like, I'm now terrified. Like now I'm scared. And he's like, these fines are not little. They're, they're like crazy big. Like, I think I saw one fine for 2023 that was like 3 million, like 359,000, like maximum penalty, but still to an employer with maybe 40 employees, Three million. Yeah, I think that's HIPAA. I think that might be the HIPAA one for these small group self-funded plans. Yeah, HIPAA applies. Yep. HIPAA applies. And so he was literally like, okay, so like you were right. 
I go, you know, I just love to hear that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I go, I, my husband would never say those words to me. So that is so, I'm so grateful. Thank you very much, right? Um, but the, they, I, so many of them are out of compliance. It's almost scary. They're playing Russian roulette, I think, with their checkbook, because I think it's not a matter of if, they get caught. I think it's a matter of when. <clears throat> and I think you agree. I do. I do. And and these are not, we're not talking about outrageously expensive things to put into place. You know, it's not like, I mean, when we, when we look at these things compared to the cost of these plans, they're really nominal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the next question I get from people is, well, why did it, you know, why isn't this already in place? And I think the reason for that is just that there haven't been, there hasn't been this traditional emphasis in the health and welfare world as there was in the retirement plan world. Right. Had um, I met with a with a friend of mine who's a retirement plan lawyer a few weeks ago, and she was talking to me about MZQ and what we do. And she goes, oh my gosh, you're just like a TPA. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because TPAs are nothing like what we think of as TPA as being in, in, in health and welfare. That's a t- Totally different concept, but in retirement funds, a TPA is a totally different. Still stands for third party administrator, but they do something totally different in retirement plans. TPAs are the ones who do your non discrimination testing, and they take care of your plan document, and they meet your basic compliance obligations. And they've existed for years, for like years, and that's what they do. They're just like, and every plan needs their custodian, and they need their trustees and they need their investment advisors and they have their TPA and their TPA is the one that hits their key compliance obligations. And I thought her name's Jenny also. Everyone I know is named Jennifer. They were in, you know, within a 10 year span of me. Um, not true, but it feels like it's some days. Um, and so I was like, Jenny, oh my gosh, you're right. And then I thought about it. I was like, I think I must have modeled MCQ off of retirement plan TPAs subconsciously. Um, but that's what they do. That's what they're nice. there for. Yeah. Yeah. So that is I mean, when we when we talk about, you know, these employers being compliant, you know, I think that they bury their head in the sand thinking it's not going to be them. Yep. A hundred percent. Right. Well, you know, that just gives you guys out there, you employers that are listening, something to go to bed tonight and and literally lay awake thinking about, like, am I compliant? Does Right. Does my broker have me? Don't do that. that. There are solutions. There are solutions. But, you know, um, if your broker or your business consultant in this space, let's say the, the, the broker or the business consultant that's handling your health plan. Um, if you've got a million, let's say you've got a hundred employees, you're dealing with about a million dollar spend on that. If you're not protecting that spend with compliance, um, you really need to call Jen. Like just, just Google MZQ consulting call Jen or call me and I will hook you up like one way or the other. But here's the deal, guys, you have got to get compliant. That it's that simple, right? It's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of when. The CAA is bringing these fiduciary responsibilities straight to the employer. Like it's not your broker's responsibility anymore. It's like yours as the employer to make sure that you have all these I's dotted and T's crossed. And um, I, I, if there was anything I heard you say last week, it is 
employer's responsibility. Like you said that about 30 times last week. I was like, okay, like I need to tell my employers, look guys, this it's coming. You know, I said years ago, I think that it is just a matter of time before an employee sues an employer. Everybody goes, well, they would sue the health plan. I'm like, "Mm." the employer picked the health plan. Yep. Right. So I, I said, I think it's just a matter of time and it may not be the employee, but it may be the employee's family. If an employee dies because the health plan was negligent or it was, it or not um, what it could have been, right? Because I think that, you know, we don't always know what the best doctors are, right? The carriers know, but they're not telling the employer. So I think it's just a matter of time. If an employee dies, the family's going to come back and go, well, you picked the health plan that let us down, right? And that employee died. So, you know, we're... I don't know. I, I I think it's coming. And I think the CAA is um, kind of alluding to that, that it's coming, right? It's just going to be a matter of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let's pivot a little bit. So how did you meet Josh? Because I I don't know the answer to this. So like, I'm like, okay, now we got to pivot back into Josh. So how did you meet Josh? You ready for this? Yeah. Jade eight. No way. Way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was cool then. It was cool. It was, it was, it was, um, it was, it was, it was 2004. Um, and it was like the cool new thing. That was the new thing, right? That was the in new thing. That was the in new thing. Yeah. That was like the cool kids were doing it. Yeah. so, So all of these, um, these new online dating stuff. I mean, there's like a new one every month, I think. I, yeah, I, but this, I mean, you gotta, you gotta remember, this is like 20 years ago. True, right? Like the very, like that was like, you know. The newest thing, and it was really new then. It, it was. I mean, if you go back 20 years, so the internet existed like in the 90s, but it, even in the early 2000s, I remember I was on the phone with a carrier, um, and I want to say it was American Medical Security, so a little like big carrier for then, but I remember, I remember talking to a customer service rep. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I remember just getting an email address for my company. And this was early, like 2000, maybe mm-hmm. 2001. I had an email address, a company email address. And I remember him saying, well, I get about 30 emails a day. <laughs> and I was like not getting 30 emails a day, okay? funny, but we laugh because if I don't have 400 a day now, it's like a, a slow day. Something's wrong, right? Yeah. yeah, something's wrong. Um, But I was just like, I remember it was yesterday because I was thinking, wow, I don't even get 30 emails a day. Like I was thinking now I'm like, can I please just only have like 10 emails a day and let them count and let them be worth something. Be amazing. Yep. No. So it was cool. Cool kids were doing it. Cool kids were doing it. Okay. So what is your favorite childhood memory? Oh my God. You're going for like the hard ones today. So this is not hard. So like, okay. So do you have siblings? I do have a sibling. I have a younger sibling. You have a younger sibling. You have a sister. Sisters are better. Sisters are like the bomb. I love my sister. Sisters 
Yeah, sisters are the bottom. Okay, so you have siblings. So that means you have stories because everyone who has a sibling has stories. <laughs> I do have stories. I do. I do. Oh, yes, I do. But um, is there a favorite childhood memory? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I was not prepared for this. She did not give us like a question that included like because favorite childhood this- yeah, I know. You want it to be like genuine and, and like authentic. Yeah. Authentic. You know, we were going back to like like therapy level, favorite childhood memory stuff. Um goodness. Okay, so I'll give you one of mine. Okay, and yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. few people know this. So when I was a kid, I was a Girl Scout. Shocker to anybody who knows me, right? I was a Girl Scout, got my Golden Rose Award. But when I was a brownie, and this was way back when Girl Scouts, we were brownies. And I think we wore brown and orange back then. Um, My mom was our troop leader. Now, my mom, I get my um, have to do everything better than everybody else from my mother. I'll just, we'll put that out there. So my mom in 1976, uh, Gerald Ford was president. My dad was uh, military. So my, I, we, I was, grew up on military bases until um, I was like 19. And so we moved all over the place. We were living in Alaska at the time. And my mom decided she had this crazy idea. Her and like four of her really good friends who all had kids, they're all girls, right? Different age groups. We're going to take these troops and they were going to create a bicentennial flag ceremony that they were going to take and be the ambassadors for the base. So they went and talked to the base commander. They made us bicentennial gowns with the little Betsy Ross hats. We had this whole flag ceremony from the 13 colony flag all the way to the 50 um, stars on the flag. And they told the um, story, like, so as each girl came down, like, whatever aisle it was, whether it was for commanders or if it was for um, President Ford came, we did it for him and Mrs. Ford. Like we did this whole really cool flag ceremony. And then at the end, we all sang it's a grand old flag. And it was like this big whop to do because all of these girls in these bicentennial gowns between brown and orange and green and gold, because, you know, we were green and gold back then, too. um, Each troop had this flag that we represented And it ended up in the American History Smithsonian in D.C. and and archived because it was such a big deal. So very few people like I've got I found pictures. What made me think of it is I was going through and cleaning stuff out because I'm having my floors redone. And I found in my picture albums, I found some pictures that my dad had given me after my mom died that had all these pictures and newspaper clippings and all that really cool stuff. And I think if I were going to sit back and go, I had a favorite childhood memory, it would be that. Um, And I was young. I mean, I was probably six, seven, eight, maybe super young. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, This wasn't quite childhood, but a little bit later, as long as we're on to that, uh, on our little uh, DC theme for a minute there. Um, probably will not surprise you um, to learn, but I don't think that you know this, but I was a, um, I was a Senate intern when I was still in high school. 
Um, nice. It's a very rare occurrence, but I, I grew up outside of uh, D.C. I still live in Baltimore, but I, I, grew up, I grew up in a D.C. suburb. And so my senior year of high school, I was pretty much done with most of the curriculum. And so I only had three classes to take. So in the mornings, a um, couple of days a week, I would, I would do my three classes from 7.30 to 10.30 in the morning. And then I would drive to the D.C. Metro and, and take the Metro. And I was an intern for, for Senator Paul Sarbanes my entire senior year of high school. OK, so that's very cool. Um, that experience had to give you a ton of insight. Oh, absolutely. It was so cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, to be on that inside of of how, you know, I am fascinated by politics. I, I, you know, you, there's, you know, certain places you can have that conversation, but I'm fascinated with how, how one, how our entire constitution was put together, like how just our government was formed. It's like totally fascinating when you go back to the brilliant minds that had to have so much foresight to put something together and think through. Now, obviously it's been, you know, amended and, you know, there's there's been stuff that's had to happen, obviously with the growth of the country, but totally fascinated. So I can only imagine um, how fascinating that had to be for you. It was like the most fun. I mean, it was just really cool. Also, one day I saw Al Gore in the elevator, which was awesome. It was 1999. Okay. So that's like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. So, okay. So pretty cool. All right. So what's the best compliment you've ever been given? Best compliment I've ever been given. Gosh, with these questions, you're just killing me today. Oh, I know you've won several awards. I mean, I have won several awards, but it's not, it's not that stuff. I mean, no, it's definitely not that stuff. I mean, I think it's more along the lines of, like, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's people who've, it's that people trust me with things that are really personal and, and, and really heartfelt. Um, I, I don't think that they're direct compliments as much as it's people who have who have trusted me with, you know, the things that are hardest in their lives that they've come to me with and and, and let me help them through. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that that that's just a lot about your character, right? Because I think we all see you as Jen, the attorney, um, in a, because that's where we see you the most, right? I know you differently. So that doesn't surprise me at all that that, because I know, <clears throat> I know your heart um, and your heart is you're a mom first, right? And you're a spouse second, and then you're an attorney, not, not the other way around. And, you know, I know how close you are with your family. I think, was it last year or the year before you guys did a whole family vacation, um, with your parents and your everybody went. And so you're super family oriented as well. Um, you know, your kids, I, I had somebody tell me this once, your children are a direct reflection of who you are because everything that they learn, they learn pretty much from you. I mean, there is some influence to the outside world nowadays where it's not as much as it was even before the internet. I mean, I, I could be 
as terrifying as this is about to sound, I could be a spitting image of my mother um, in a lot of cases. <laughs> like everything I love about my mom is also everything I hated about my mom. Um, but I find myself, I you know, I was saying something to Madison one day and I stopped like in this sheer terror that the words flew out of my mouth. And I got in the house and I went to my bedroom and I called my sister and I was like, oh my God, I just said it. Like, oh, what was I thinking? Right. And we we just laughed because, you know, the, I hated it when she said it to me and those words flew out of my mouth. So, um, you know, your children are amazing um, young individuals. And that is a testament to your character, right? You and Josh and what you guys have poured into them. And um, that's, to me, I see that as being one of the things you're the most proud of is the kids. I don't know. Have you spent that much time with the tween lately? (laughs) Okay. Well, they grow out of that. I'm just saying, (laughs) here's my philosophy on teenagers. This is, and Madison used to get so mad at me. I'm like, She'd be talking to me. I'm like, look at her. I'm like, why are you talking to me? Aren't you supposed to be asleep? Like, because I believe we give them sleeping pills when they're 13. We osmosis everything that they need to know between 13 and 23. And then we wake them up. So we don't have to deal with the attitude and all of that. It's insane, right? Madison would be like, stop it. I mean, for their 13th birthday, every kid in our family gets a bottle of fake pills, sleeping pills that I make up like a pill bottle. It says sleeping pills, a new pillow and a new blanket. And I say, I'll see you in 10 years. Like, and they just go, yeah, Mimi, stop, right? And I'm like, hey, look, this is what this is about. I can't deal with your attitude. So when Madison would be like, right now, I'd be like, why are you awake? <laughs> so I get the tween thing and it does get better. They they do grow up. It helps, right? But no, they're fabulous. I your adore children them. are fabulous. Yeah, I, no, I do. I adore them. They're, I adore pretty, them. Awesome. they're pretty great. They're pretty great. Yeah. Okay, so last question. This one will be easy. Okay. And I know you have another um, a meeting today, so I'll let you go. And I just am so grateful that you gave us a little bit of time this morning um, yeah. to get to know you. Okay, favorite movie? Dirty Dancing. Oh, oh, my girl. Love it, love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, um, favorite TV show? Ooh, Harder. Oh. Uh, West Wing. Oh, Wes. Oh, okay. I'm not surprised. All right. And um, favorite alcohol? Tequila. Ooh. Go girl. Okay. And I can't take that. I can't drink that much of it anymore, but it is my Oh, yeah. Tequila. Age. (laughs) There you go. And favorite book? Favorite book. That one was not supposed to be hard. I know. <laughs> like I, I'm, a, I'm a reader. I don't have like a clear standout. Oh well, what have you read recently what that I, we can share with everybody? Right now, I'm reading. It's fantastic. I'm reading, reading Rising Together, um, which is by um, Sally Huggison. She wrote How Women Rise. Also, it's fantastic. Fabulous. Really okay, guys, um, favorite book: Rising Together. Or a favorite book. I'm always reading something now. Like right. well, most recent book, Rising Together. Um, perfect. Rising Together is excellent, but I'm always reading something. I also, Deep Dark Secret, I read an incredible volume of trashy romance novels. Oh. Just that. And on that note. So many. <laughs> so lest anyone think I'm too serious. Um, 
cheesy romance novels. I love it. I Not love cheesy, it. Not cheesy, trashy. There's a difference. Yeah, okay. They are both trashy and cheesy. But. <laughs> my mom used to read Harley better. Yeah, my mom used to have those little paperback Harlequin romances that she read all the time. Yeah, yeah so funny. Work. I mean, the more trope, the better. Yeah, <laughs> Bring I, I, it on. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. <laughs> Love it. All right, everybody. Jennifer Berman, MZQ Consulting. Jennifer, thank you. Jen, I really appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. And everybody, if you need anything, it's again, Jen Berman with MZQ Consulting out of Baltimore. If you need to get in touch with her, give me a call. I can hook you up um, or Google her. She's she's out there all over the place. Thanks, Jen. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Everything is Up. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And remember, everything is up. Thank you.